0: This is the Greg Peterson Experience on Vsin, the Sports Betting Network.
3: It is the Greg Peterson Experience right here on Vsin, the Sports Betting Network, and we've got three tremendous hours for us. We've currently got some live basketball that we're going to get you caught up on. Nothing warms my heart more than that, so. I'm going to get you guys up to date there. We obviously wind up seeing the two games in the NFL go down on Saturday. Give you guys my thoughts there as you wind up seeing both favorites come through in a big, giant way. And then when it comes to the NFL, we're going to be hitting a lot of that in the final hour. Once we wind up hitting midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern, it's going to be an NFL Sunday for all in the Continental 48 states. That picks an analysis on all three of the games are going to be coming up for Sunday as well as since I'm most likely not going to be here Sunday night, I'm going to give out what I've got with regards to what we're going to be seeing on Monday in what is now super wildcard weekend. So NFL is going to be hit in the final hour as long as, as well as a little bit of a recap here in the first hour as well. And then in between lots of college basketball reacting to what we've seen on this college basketball Saturday full of. 130 games and you've got a couple that are going on right now as well. So, we've got a little bit of everything going on here. How about if we get you caught up on the two games that are currently going down in college basketball's second half, just getting started out there in the Great State of Hawaii and the Rainbow Warriors. They have been firing their arrows and they are currently up by kind of 41 to 18. UC San Diego, a team that has already gotten a couple quality wins on the resume by the way. They wound up knocking off George Washington, along with Cal, to begin the season. Boy, they are right now falling very, very tough. If you're looking to bet on this thing live, you've got Hawaii as a live 24 and a half point favorite, and total is currently at a 130. This has come down a little bit from the opener of right around a 140 to a 140 and a half, and Hawaii wound up going off as right around a six half to a seven point favorite. So certainly we have seen some big time adjustments there, and I think that this Rainbow Warrior team is actually going to be very fascinating to take a look at moving forward because they certainly have had their ups and their downs. They looked very terrible, in all honesty, to begin the season. But when it comes down to it, this is a Hawaii team that they are able to fire it in from three-point range as why currently 513 from three-point range in this one. But the big thing is for UC San Diego, 9-28 from the floor as we've got about two minutes of lapse here in the second half. It's out 50-20. I should say 43-20, but you take a look at the other game that we've got going down as well. And this is actually a big game. If the WCC wants to get, I'm going to call it what it is. They have a chance of getting four teams in the NCAA tournament because St. Mary's is not necessarily in too bad a shape. In my opinion, obviously BYU who is playing in this one, they look to be in good shape. And then San Francisco, if they can get the job done here, they're going to put themselves in nice footing. They entered into this game 15 and two overall. Currently, you've got BYU in the lead, 70 to 67, 12.4 seconds on the clock. So, you're not able to bet on this thing live. If we wind up getting overtime, you certainly will be able to. But both of these teams showing a whole lot of fight in this one. You wind up seeing the downs of San Francisco wind up closing right around the realm of about a four and a half point favorite. You saw a couple fours out there as well. Total of anywhere between 143 and a half and 144. If you wind up taking the under, and I can tell you right now, I wind up taking the under. You do not want a three here. You absolutely do not want a three here. And as we know, we see a lot of craziness that winds up happening late game with the guards falling like we just got one right there with about 9.2 seconds left to go. So this is going to be an almighty sweat kids as you always have to deal with this when it comes to college basketball. It is a big reason why, when I talk about taking a look at some of these games, when you wind up having a bet either go your way or not go your way before you wind up making wholesale changes before you wind up just adjusting a team with regards to their power ranking, their total look at the context of it, because sometimes you just see calamities wind up happening at the end of games. And for San Francisco, it looked like Jamari Boye was going to miss that free throw in every part of the rim and it toilet pulled in 70 to 69. You've got yourself 8.2 seconds left, and buckle up for safety, kids, because you just never know what's going to be happening here as BYU trying to get the inbounds. It's pretty well covered, but BYU, they're able to get it in, and San Francisco thought that they were able to get the jump ball, but instead it is a foul. Both teams in the double bonus we are going to be keeping up with this as the final seconds wind up playing out. Also, we've got to be taking a look at what we wind up getting in the NFL as well as we continue on that crazy train. Obviously, the Hawaii versus UC San Diego game looks to be a little bit out of reach. And we're certainly going to be hitting up on everything that we did wind up seeing in college basketball in these next two segments, but have to hit on what we wound up seeing in the NFL as well. Alluded to it a little bit earlier. You wound up seeing two favorites as we just wound up seeing something insane. Alex Barcel, about a 90% free throw shooter, just missed his first free throw. Boy, this is going to be a sweat, but with that said, when it comes to what we wind up seeing out there in the NFL, two favorites, two covers, Bengals wind up being able to win against the Oakland Raiders by kind of 26 to 19 in the early game, Bills over the Patriots, 47 to 17 in the second game, and San Francisco, they had the tying bucket, but it was after the horn sounded, 71 to 69 BYU, they get the outright win, so we don't have to worry about that anymore, and now we can worry about a little bit more foosball, as for the Bengals. What was really big for this team, Joe Burrow in this game. He winds up throwing for two touchdowns. He was able to hook up with Jamar Chase nine times for 116 yards, so player prop with Jamar Chase certainly wound up going over in this spot. And for the Raiders, it's something that I referenced on the show yesterday, which I thought was going to be big. I thought that they were going to wind up losing the turnover battle, and wouldn't you know it? Derek Carr does wind up throwing the interception in this game. Also wound up having a lost fumble. Bengals wind up winning that turnover battle by a kind of two to zero and allowed them to be able to really dictate this game as the Vegas Raiders. I thought was going to need to do a little bit of a better job on the ground in this game to be able to have a chance. And for the Raiders, they did wind up getting 83 yards out of Josh Jacobs on 13 carries. I'm not necessarily sure why they didn't wind up giving him more carries because The team had 14 rushes of 54 passes. I felt like that was a little bit of an issue. Meanwhile, for the Bengals, a little bit more balance for this team. 34 rushes of 25 passes. Joe Mixon didn't even really get going. He wound up having 17 carries, 48 yards, so he didn't necessarily do his part there. And for Chase, I mentioned the fact that he wound up having nine receptions. He also wound up having three carries for 23 yards, so a big part of what the Cincinnati Bengals were able to do and for the Bengals as well. Trio of sacks in this game as well. I feel like this is a very underrated defensive Trey Hendrickson, someone who wound up having 14 sacks in the regular season. In my opinion, one of the most underrated pass rushers in all the NFL because you hear about guys like TJ Watt and company. You really don't hear much about him. He was able to get to the quarterback. In this game as well. For Joe Burrow. You were fearing about his offensive line. But it was the Raiders that gave up more sacks. Than the Cincinnati Bengals. And I do think that this is a Bengals team. That is going to be able to make some noise. Out here in the postseason. I really like what I saw from the team. Towards the back half of the season. Joe Burrow being in his second year now. I felt like he was able to get some relatively solid experience. In year one. Before he wound up going down with that injury. And now all of a sudden. You've got a Bengals team. That they've got a good shot of really being able to make some noise when it comes to the postseason, they have survived and advanced. And speaking of surviving and advancing, that's exactly what the new England Patriots were able to do as well. The matchups that these two teams are going to have a little bit TBD by what we wind up seeing the rest of wildcard weekend. But for the, for the bills, we were hearing all the narratives of, Oh, Josh Allen can't play in the cold. Though the Patriots are going to be all sorts of fired up because Apparently, Sean McDermott didn't give as many flowers to Bill Belichick as he should have after that game in which the Patriots wound up knocking off the Buffalo Bills. Ain't eh, wrong. You wound up having the Patriots just get whipped around in this game. 47 to 17. The Mac attack, Mac Jones. He wound up throwing a pair of interceptions in that second regular season t- game that these two teams wound up playing in. In this one, he wound up throwing a pair of interceptions as Josh Allen couldn't have been much better in this game. He won 21 of 25, 308 yards, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five touchdowns in this game, and the Bills did exactly what I thought that they needed to in order to have some success. They wound up having Devin Singletary have a big game in this one, 16 carries, buck 81, two touchdowns, absolutely massive. When the Bills have had their deficiencies this year, they've really become a little bit one-dimensional. They've put the ball in the hands of Josh Allen a little bit too much, but... They wound up doing a better job in this one now. Obviously, it's going to help when you do wind up having Josh. When you do wind up having a team, just get off to a big lead like this one because it was 27 to three at the half. Obviously, at that point, you're just not throwing the ball too much. But was very impressed by what we wound up seeing at the Bills. Obviously, this game winds up going over the total because well, the Buffalo Bills wound up hitting the total all by themselves. And for the Bills as well, what I thought was a very good mark for the team is. Just being able to have other guys step up around what we've gotten out of Stephon Diggs. Diggs was very solid this year. And Dawson Knox has been solid throughout the entirety of the season, but towards the back of the season, he didn't necessarily have a lot of production. He combined five receptions in the last three games. He had five receptions in this one. He wound up having two touchdowns. So I thought that that was absolutely massive for the Buffalo Bills. If I take a look at the two teams that won winning on Wildcard Weekend on Saturday. I would say that the Bills have a little bit more upside just moving forward in general. I do think, though, that both of these teams do have a good chance of being dangerous. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier. If you've got any interest in being able to bet futures, I would suggest perhaps if you like either of these teams, just doing a little bit of a money line rollover throughout the rest of the postseason, whether that be through the AFC Championship game, whether that be through the Super Bowl, what have you, because you are probably going to be able to get a little bit of a better payout. Now the good news is things have calmed down a little bit more with regards to COVID-19 front, but always want to leave yourself that little bit of added protection. And I do think that there's going to be a lot of value moving forward with taking a look, betting game by game in the NFL. And when it comes to the Sunday games, we're going to be hitting upon those in the final hour of the program tonight. So have no fear there. But coming up next, got to take a look at what we've all seen in college basketball on Saturday. What I noticed in general and just some of the teams that are climbing and sinking in my power rankings. That's up next, right here on VSIM, Esports Spending Network.
1: Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
0: podcasts. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: We have a new prop tracker now available at beason.com for you to be able to keep up with all the key NFL props. Head over to Beaston.com to get current odds as well as movement each week to be able to follow the trends and find the best value. You're able to do this for odds be able to win MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and so much more. Check out prop tracker, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every single game. Now at vston.com NFLs. NFL as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Gibson Peterson. And for those of you guys that have action out there in Hawaii. Well, it has gotten a little bit ugly to this point. As Right now, you've got the Rainbow Warriors taking it to the Tritons of UC San Diego. 57-33. to 33 Got about 12 minutes and change left in the second half. It certainly has been all Hawaii in this one. If you're taking a look at this one live, you're going to be laying about 25 or so points, depending on your book. If you want to jump in on Hawaii Live, total lot of closing right around a 140 to a 140 half. So right now, we're at a little bit of an underclip, but when you wind up having blowouts like these, sometimes it turns into open gym. So we're going to be taking a look at this as we wind up going along throughout the night because games that I always get questions on, one of the top ones is always the Hawaii game, whenever it's on, super duper late because if you've had a really, really good day, you have a lot of people being like, oh, we want the cherry on top on this one. And if you've had a bad day, lot of people are like oh boy I've got one chance left to be able to get even and we all have our friends that are like that hey someone out there listening might be like hey that's me as well so it always is very very interesting so I'm pretty sure that the books actually do their best to take keep track of Hawaii and put them as a little bit more of a priority over a team like Loyola Marymount or something like that just speaking from experience on that, but when it comes to what we wind up seeing in college basketball on Saturday, it is not March, but we do have Madness, ladies and gentlemen. The two teams that wound up entering into the week got defeated, suffered their second loss in the span of, I believe, now four days. As you do wind up seeing Baylor wind up losing to Oklahoma State, and you wind up seeing USC wind up going down to Oregon. How about if we go with the USC Oregon game first? Because this one is very, very fresh and Folks, you've got three assurances in life. Death, Texas, and Dana Altman coaching the heck out of his team and getting them to peak at just the right time. This is an Oregon team that they looked terrible at the beginning of the year. I'm going to call it what it is. They did not look like an NCAA tournament team. They didn't look like an NIT team. Heck, I don't know if they'd be able to make the Vegas 16 if it was still around. And now, all of a sudden, Oregon has went on the road And knocked off two top five five teams in the span of about 72 hours. It is wild. 79 to 69. Final in this one, Will Richardson, 5 of 8 for three-point range. Oregon, by the way, one of the worst free-throw shooting teams in all of college basketball. 11 of 18 at the charity stripe. USC shot a similar percentage. But with that said, for USC, their second loss in the span of now three days. Isaiah Mobley did his part, but... For Oregon, I think the biggest takeaway is that this team is back. I mean, it happens every single year. We always count out this Oregon team, and every single year, they are just like that crazy like villain in a slasher movie where they're like wearing the goalie mask and everything like that. You think you've killed them. You think they're done. You think that it is finito. And then there you are. All of a sudden, they rise up. You are running away, and as you've got this just random person that you think you've killed about 17 times in the ground, they rise up, and as you are running away from them, they are gaining ground on you as they are walking. That is Oregon 280. Once again, they don't necessarily do anything great. They don't have one-star player. I'll say Will Richardson. Will Richardson is relatively solid, a 40-plus percent three-point shooter, a guy that's able to give you 15 points per game, but still, I mean, this is not a team that... They've got like that splashy guy that's going to be going in like the first round of the draft or anything like that. In all honesty, they're not really that good on the glass. They're just really well coached every single time. And then for the Baylor loss, this is just a team that I never really bought into as to them being number one. Anyway, up falling to Oklahoma State by kind of 61 to 54, a legitimately bad loss. In my opinion, you take a look at Oklahoma State. A team that has shot sub-30% from three-point range this season. They have been one of the worst teams at being able to take care of the ball. Not great at the free throw line. They've been relatively solid on defense, but for Baylor, they just went ice cold in this one. 8 of 28 from three-point range. They wound up getting down by kind of 29 to 11, and they played a little bit better towards the second half of this one. You can tell that not having Jeremy Shane out there did wind up affecting them a little bit, but his injury should not have caused what wound up happening on Saturday to wind up going down. And for Oklahoma State, you do give them credit. They wound up winning the turnover battle to by a count of 11-10, and this was probably one of their best games of the season. Bryce Thompson, the transfer from Kansas, was able to go off for 19 points. But if you ask me what this shows is that the Big 12 is absolutely brutal, and they are by far the best conference out there in all of college basketball. I mean, you just take a look at the Big 12 right now. With regards to what we wound up seeing coming into the day on Saturday, I would have personally... Probably put Oklahoma State as my dead last team. And I'm not good enough, they're the only team that's ineligible for the NCAA tournament. But here, we'll read down the list of 10 teams right now in regards to the Big 12 West Virginia, Kansas, Texas, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Kansas State, Oklahoma, TCU. Oklahoma State is ineligible for the NCAA tournament. Out of those nine teams, I think all nine can make the NCAA tournament right now. I know that there's going to be a lot of pushback on TCU, but. TCU in a gritty overtime game that probably should not have went to overtime if they knew what they were doing on an inbounds play. But that's a discussion for another day. They take down Oklahoma by kind of 59 to 58. And what many people believe is the worst team in the Big 12 in TCU, they're 12 and 2. I mean, this is a TCU team that has actually played some very good basketball all season long. They did want to take a loss to Santa Clara, and we'll call it what it is. Their non-conference schedule turned out to be charming soft as They wound up having that road win against Georgetown not necessarily mean as much. They did wind up taking down Utah, Texas A&M, Oral Roberts, but certainly they didn't play against the world's greatest competition. But, I mean, if you were to ask me today, I would say the TCU is an NCAA tournament team. Kansas State, I think that they might have the most work to do of any team out there in the Big 12. They started out on foreign conference, but take a look at the way that Kansas State has played. It's actually been relatively solid. They take down Texas Tech, a team that... They have been on a heater run recently by kind of 62 to 51 Texas tech proving to be one of the best teams on defense in all of college basketball, a team that I have been thoroughly impressed by. They've been doing this all without and Shannon wound up returning in this game, but you can tell that he just was not himself. He's been dealing with back issues and many of you guys out there, I'm sure deal with back issues. You do not want to be messing with that. And then you've got a team in Texas that, I think that they're probably going to be falling out of the top 25 after their loss against Iowa State, who coming into the year, I mean, it was a consensus that Iowa State was going to stink. They wound up having two wins last year against SWAT competition. I had to make one of the biggest adjustments on them of any team out there in college basketball. By the way, if you're wondering, the biggest adjustment I wanted to making was actually to Maryland Eastern Shore, a team that is legitimately Covered all but one of their games against the spread all season long. They've been in a little bit of a COVID pause. And me, just has been strange in general. But when it comes to Iowa State, among power conference teams, I've had to adjust them the most of darn near any team not named Arizona. They got the job done by kind of 79 to 70. And Gabe Kelscher, a guy that had been shooting like 25% from three, goes off, goes six of 12 from distance. And what you're noticing with a lot of these teams in the Big 12, the similarities, they're all very well coached. T.J. Otzelberger, he was not a fit at UNLV, but you remember those South Dakota States with the dominator, Mike Dom. He was the architect of all of those, was one of the big-time recruiters when Fred Hoiberg was having his runs over there at Iowa State. He is back at home. He feels very much at home at this point. I would say that Jamie Dixon over there at TCU, I would consider him to be a relatively solid coach. Even Scott Drew, I feel like he turned the corner as a coach in general, but Mike Boynton, who wanted passing him, He has been one of the ultimate grinders. You take a look at the Kansas versus West Virginia game, West Virginia unable to get the job done in Lawrence. Obviously no shame there. Bill self once again, doing a great job of coaching up this team. They were up for this game, even though they were without Remy Martin. So you just take a look at this conference in general, a bunch of guys that they know what in the heck they are doing. And then you take a look at the teams that have been underachieving. Guess what? A lot of them don't necessarily have a good coach. I'm looking at you, Bobby Hurley. I'm looking at you, Tom Green. I'm looking at you, Penny Hardaway, who just, what can be said about Memphis? I mean, I could just probably give you a three-hour show on how big of a disappointment Memphis is and how this is the worst coaching job I've ever seen in my life. They wind up losing to Eastern Carolina. Now, I gave out Eastern Carolina on the show yesterday. I didn't think that they would be able to pull it out about right, but I can tell you right now, Memphis was a team that on this line, I could not bet them 72 to 71 East Carolina wise of getting the job done. But I mean, this is a Memphis team that they were up in this game by double figures with about four minutes left to go. And this team has just completely failed into the abyss. You wind up having Memphis lose this game, by the way, while shooting seven of 13 from three point range. The reason why they... On offense, create more turnovers in Sarah Lee's Bakery. They had 17 of them in this one. You've got a Memphis team that has all the talent in the world. I will tell you just how bad this Memphis coaching job is on the other side as we take a look at everything that we did wind up getting in college basketball on Saturday. Ironically enough, by the way, we still do have one game remaining. There's a lot of intrigue with regards to the Hawaii total, so we'll get you caught up on that next. Idea right on the Greg Peterson Experience on v the Sports Bank Network.
0: experiencing hoops Peterson himself on VSN the sports betting network
3: If you miss any part of our show today or anything else on the v schedule, do not forget to check out our free Sports Bank podcast as you're able to catch replays of all of our shows or download them and listen on your schedule. Go to v slash podcast and you're able to get from there being the book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood handicappers, the Lombardi line, Follow the Money, Hi Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Supes with myself, Greg and Pearson, and so much more. They are all free and available now at vston.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts as we're back here in lovely las vegas more specifically the circus Sportsbook and resort out here in las vegas for the greg peterson experience with myself greg oops here I was touching upon this just the importance of coaching when it comes to handicapping and brought up the sad sad situation that is happening with memphis East Carolina down by double figures throughout much of the game and Memphis through this game, just completely into the toilet bowl. Just one of the biggest calamities I've ever seen in my life, because you take a look at this Memphis team and they've got all the talent in the world. They were up in this game by a count of something like 57 to 44 with like five or so minutes remaining. And then all of a sudden things just wound up going into the incinerator for this team. Just absolutely insane. What we wound up seeing. actually more specifically, they wound up Memphis said, going on the wrong end of a 15-3 to run in the final six minutes of this game. But it speaks to why you've got to be factoring these sorts of things into your handicapping because if you just take a look at talent and talent alone when it comes to Memphis, this is probably a top 10 team on paper. And I'm just talking about you take out, obviously, like the home court element, you take out coaching, what have you. If you just stuck all these guys out in... We'll just throw out there a random location. Greenland, for instance, you just put all those guys out there. In terms of just sheer talent, I would put Memphis in the top 10. You've got a guy in Amani Bates who was a top five recruit with regards to his class. Jalen Duran, a top 10 guy. Both of these guys, if they wouldn't have reclassified, they would have been fighting for that number one spot in next year's recruiting class. You've got guys like Lester Keones, Earl Timberlake, Malcolm Dandridge. The list goes on and on and it's like your buddy at the bar. They just can't close. It's just that simple. And for Memphis, you can't have any faith in this team whatsoever. They're one of the worst teams at keeping care of the ball in all of college basketball. And you're finding them at 9-7. and seven. If the Vegas 16 was still around, they would love to have Memphis. Unfortunately, if they're going to be coming out to lovely Las Vegas, it'll probably be after the season to try to drown their sorrows. So it has not necessarily been too terrific for this Memphis team at this point. And, and we do have... A lot of underachieving teams here in college basketball this season, obviously, for anyone that, like me, wound up having Michigan on Friday night, thought that, thought that double figures was going to get there to the window. That certainly did not. So that has been a difficult one, to say the least. But you just take a look at all these teams in college basketball, and it is very strange to have what we've got going on right now with so many teams. Being able to ride slash fall. Now, when it comes to the game that we've still got going on right now, for those of you guys enthralled in UC San Diego versus Hawaii, big total implications here 70 to 46, 540 remaining. This is where unders sometimes go to die because you've got a UC San Diego team that they probably want to try to make this thing as close as humanly possible. It's a total that close anywhere between 140 and 140 and F. half. Hawaii has about a 6, to six and 6.5 point favorite. Knock on whatever this is. I think it's marble. Yeah, I think that it is marble. They should be able to get here on this one. I don't think that you're going to see any shenanigans with that regard. We have seen strange things in college basketball, though. Anyone that bet on Sam Houston State versus UT Rio Grande Valley know exactly what I'm talking about a few weeks ago. But we're going to be keeping our eyes on that. I'll let you know how that winds up finishing up. But just take a look at the landscape of college basketball in general. Mentioned the fact that Memphis wound up being unable to get the job done. We have seen quite a few meltdowns in college basketball in general, but when it comes to some of these mid-major teams, some of them have been some of the best at being able to make you money in all of college basketball. And for Murray State, this has been a real good money maker for you this year. They wind up going on the road. They take down Belmont by a count of 82-60. to 60. And for those of you guys that are looking to star a team that might be a chic, like 12-13 seed, to be able to pick on. For the NCAA tournament, by the way, Murray State, another team that wound up knocking off Memphis. Well, Murray State is a team that you want to be keeping your eyes on. Here's what they wound up doing against this Belmont team. They went 14 of 25 from three-point range with Justice Hill, who's pretty much a third banana on this team, going 8 of 11 from three-point range with 36 points. Belmont just year in and year out a solid team. I feel like they got a little bit overvalued this year because What I've noticed with regards to some of these teams that they've got a lot of guys that they wind up coming back for their fourth, fifth year due to COVID. You don't have that same leap like you've seen with a team like Purdue when you wind up having guys go from year number one to year number two. For Belmont, those guys have went from year three to year four, year four to year five. They just aren't as dramatic and You've been noticing it with a team like this. We've seen a couple other teams like Missouri State, I thought was going to take some bigger strides forward out there in the Missouri Valley Conference. Hasn't necessarily happened for them, so you do want to be keeping your eyes on that. By the way, out there in the Ohio Valley Conference, very, very much a shame that we didn't wind up seeing Eastern Illinois versus Austin today because Eastern Illinois is the only team in all of college basketball that has yet to be able to play an over, so I actually find that to be a little bit hilarious, and what else you've got to be finding hilarious as well is when it comes to some of these teams, trying to gauge what is a team that is going to be able to turn it around and what is not, Because I've been mentioning coaching a lot, like a team like Oregon, who I want to mention in the last segment. They've been able to turn it around. Tony Bennett, I believe, is a terrific coach. If you take a look at this Virginia team, they don't have what it takes to be able to turn it around. They fall to 10 and 7. Wake Forest on the road. They're able to get it done by a kind of 63 to 55. Wake Forest is back. And the reason why Wake Forest is back is because they wound up making one of the greatest hires in all of college basketball last offseason, bringing in Steve Forbes. He has done a good job of being able to get these guys to meld together, and when it comes to college basketball in general, it is just so important to be able to take a look at some of these guys with Wake Forest. They're able to play up-tempo. They're able to play a little bit more slow. They're a little bit of a chameleon in general, and that the reason why we are not seeing a lot of trends when it comes to college basketball is because you do have a very shall we say, volatile spear in which you have a lot of what has been good in past years not necessarily being able to come through like we've seen it the last few years in college basketball. Last year, it was Gonzaga, who was your clear number one. Baylor, who was your clear number two. And then it was everyone else fighting for three, four, five, what have you. You wound up seeing two years ago, it was a little bit more sporadic, but I felt like you had very much your clear top three-ish teams and then a whole pack of everyone else. Right now, when it comes to my power rankings, one through eight are separated by two points. Perhaps that number one team, and I do have this team at number one, should be Gonzaga, though, for the third straight game on Saturday. They scored over 110 points. A Santa Clara team that already has a mass wins over TCU, and they wound up knocking off Stanford in very convincing fashion. They wound up hanging a 115 spot on them. 115 to 83 now. I personally thought we were going to see a little bit of regression here with Gonzaga. Now, I thought they would score more like 85, 90 points in this game, but I mean, this team is just rolling right now. 12 of 26 from three point range. They did wind up committing 16 turnovers in this game, but it's a Gonzaga bunch of which they're able to get their tempo and darn near every game. And if a team tries to run with them, the, they always welcome it because they are always going to beat you at that game for Santa Clara. They wind up losing this game despite putting up 83 points on the board that they didn't even come close to covering right around a 15-ish closing line, which I find to be just absolutely hilarious. And if you're looking for trends that we're seeing in college basketball, because I just mentioned it, it's been very strange this year. You've seen about 50.6% of games wind up going over. I think the bookmakers are going to be adjusting. I think that we're going to be seeing a little bit of a run on unders and I think that the last seven days are a little bit of an indication of that. If you take a look at the last 30 days in college basketball, about 53-ish percent of games have went over. But last seven days, 162 unders, 145 overs. Obviously, this is pending the end of this Hawaii game that I'm keeping my eyes on right now. But also, when it comes to conference play, you know what always is. and you're going to hear me preach this so much in the coming months. Home underdogs, 60-42 and two against the spread are home underdogs in the last seven days in college basketball and road teams. They've seen a little bit of a regression because road teams were actually having a very good run of things the last 30 days. I attribute that a little bit more to the fact that you do have some wonky non-conference games. Now I do think the road teams are actually going to be able to do relatively okay in select States because we have seen teams like out there in the state of California, which they aren't allowing fans in the stands. That does take away a little bit of your home court mojo. And I do think that this is very important to take note of because we did wind up seeing it play a huge role in college basketball last year. You saw more road teams being able to win and cover them really ever before in college basketball. But after road teams wound up having like a two or three week, really good stretch. They wound up going this last seven days in college basketball, 145, 160 and six against the spread. When you got demonstrative home court advantages, like a team at elevation I'm throwing out there I don't say do want to take it down Ido. you've obviously got places like the kennel Cameron indoor Duke they were able to get a win cover these are things that you really want to be taking a look at and I think that it's going to be so important to take a look at these sorts of little aspects that they don't necessarily fit stand out as much on a spreadsheet in college basketball because I do think that they're going to be playing a big role as to whether or not you're going to get to the window but Coming up next, it is that time that I do my best to be able to get you guys to the window. Let's start taking a look at everything that we got for Sunday in college basketball. That's right here on VSIM, Esports Betting Network.
1: Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans! Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get
0: your podcasts. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: Welcome back. This segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. It is a fresh way to be able to enjoy a nicotine without the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no more batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke free, spit free, and available. And 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two different strengths, so that way you're able to easily find the satisfaction level that is perfect for you. Zin is America's number one nicotine pouch and it is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning that it has never been easier to find your Zin. Go so ahead over to zin.com find to be able to locate a store nearest to you. That is slash find. Warning it's a product that contains nicotine and nicotine is an addictive chemical as we're back here on the Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Gibbs took a look at what we wound up seeing in college basketball on Saturday. And as a matter of fact, how about if we tie a bow around everything that we wound up seeing in college basketball on Saturday as we have seen this game really go final at this point. Hawaii versus UC San Diego, 79 to 55. You've got about 20 seconds left here, so under of 140 is going to wind up hitting in this one and for UC San Diego. Well, they wind up closing as a six after a seven point underdog. That certainly is not going to be able to get there. So that ties a nice little bow around everything that we wind up seeing on Saturday. Now let's take a look at the Sunday card and it's going to be starting out with a little bit of Big Ten action. 9 a.m Pacific noon Eastern top of the card 821 822. Ohio State going to be playing us to Penn State. Penn State opened up a nine point underdog now you're seeing at DraftKings a 9.5. Most other locations, I'm seeing a 9. And under here in Las Vegas, a couple 8.5s. Your total on this game, it is 136 and a half. The way I take a look at this game is if it's a single-digit line. So 9.5 or less like we're seeing right now. One want to lay it with Ohio State. Obviously, you probably would be wanting to get more like an 8.5 slash 9. If you're taking a look at this right now, 9 is really the top of the market. Though I do think that... You do have solid value here with Ohio State regardless, but when it comes to Ohio State, what I think is going to be key for them is that they've already played against Penn State once. First time these two teams wanted to playing, they went 12-25 from three-point range. Ohio State is a very solid three-point shooting team. They shoot a little bit over 35% from distance as a collective. I don't know if they're going to be able to duplicate that, but ever since that first game, you have seen really the emergence of Malachi Branham. Branham has been able to give this team a little bit over 20 points per game in the last four contests. A freshman that seeing a few minutes towards the beginning of the season but now he has really been entrenched in this Ohio State offense he's really been able to take them to another level and for the Penn State Nate and e Lions you've seen Jalen Pickett be able to do a solid job 15 plus points so far the last five games so ever since that first matchup he's been able to do some good work I do think that Ohio State is going to try to get back to basics I do think that they're going to try to play a little bit more defense keep in mind when it comes to this game It's going to be an early one, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. This is happening out there in the great state of Ohio. I think that they're Eastern time. I lived in Wisconsin. That was Central time, but I do think that this is an Eastern time game. But what else I think is going to be really big with regards to the total in this game is the fact that you just have a Penn State team that's really looking to grind things to a crawl with Ohio State. They're not necessarily a blazer either, 219th in the country with regards to possessions per game, but Penn State, out of 358 D1 teams, they are and 47th with regards to raw possessions per game. So this is a team that they're going to really look to make things slow, make things grimy. First game did wind up going over. You wound up seeing about 140 points in that game. And that total closed more in the neighborhood, of about 132 to 133. So we've seen this total tick up by more than three full points from what we wound up seeing the first time around, which happened just a few weeks ago. So I do find that to be a little bit intriguing. And I don't know if I can necessarily agree with this. We have noticed that bookmakers just with, what we've seen over the last month in general, they have set some of these totals much, much higher. And I do think that there's going to be a lot of value on unders moving forward as well. I'm going to be giving out my New York Post play today at right around 11 o'clock p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. I can tell you right now, it is going to be a total and it's not going to be an over, so... We're going to have a little bit of fun with that, but when it comes to this Ohio State team, I do think that they should be able to dominate this game because you do have EJ Liddell, a guy that is legitimately an All-American candidate. Love what he's been able to bring to the table for this team. Three blocks per game, he's able to chip in there. 19.9 points, right around eight rebounds per game. Shoots the 9.30s from three-point range. John Rar on the flip side for Penn State. He's able to give you 10 rebounds per game, and now you've got Greg Lee in the fold as well. He's a transfer that winds coming in. From Western Michigan, he's been able to provide right around like six rebounds per game. So this is a Penn State team that they're not necessarily going to get bludgeoned on the glass. But at the same time, even though Iowa State has really not had throughout the entirety of the season just as suing, they have been able to do a solid job of being able to hold things down down low. Now, what I think is going to be really key for Iowa State as well, being able to get something out of Zedkey, who's really been the number two scorer for the team. Kyle Young has been a little bit banged up. He's been dealing with some personal health issues. Good news, it sounds like he's going to be good to go in this one as well. But guys like Justin Aarons and company, I think, are just much better out there in the backcourt than guys like Miles Shred on the flip side for Penn State. You just haven't been able to get a lot out of those guys with Penn State. I do think that they're going to be successful in grinding this thing down to a crawl. I want to setting my total to where I'm going to be taking a look at it under as I made mine. We're on 131, so very similar to... The total that we wound up having the first time around, that's where I leaned in. Like I said, this is a case in which single digits want to lay with Ohio State. 9.5 is pretty much in max. Seeing a lot of 9 to eight and a halfs out there, willing to lay it. And when it comes to the total, going to be taking a look at the under as well. You've got another ranked team that is going to be in action, and they are also going to be playing a very early game. So you want to be firing in these bets early because if you wind up sleeping in, especially if you're out here on the West Coast, You might not have any college basketball action with regards to ranked teams. So obviously when it comes to college basketball, it doesn't matter if you're firing it on ranked teams, unranked teams, or if you're looking to like the MEAC, the Patriot League, what have you, money is money no matter what. And I always try to do my best to get you guys a little bit of action with regards to all of those. But how about if we go to the other ranked team that is going to be at action on Sunday, 823, 824. Butler hits the road to face off against Villanova. Villanova's find themselves a 15-point favorite. Totals anywhere between 123.5 and 124. And when it comes to Villanova, have been very impressed by the defense I've seen out of this team. They have needed that defense because this is a Villanova bunch that they've really been scuffling from three-point range ever since. They wound up playing against teams that aren't like little sisters of the poor, like Mount St. Mary's and what have you. Sorry, Mount St. Mary's, but it's really a case in which they're just little bit of min's beat when it comes to having to go up against Villanova. But with Villanova, I think that they should be able to dominate this game. I did wind up saying this line at 17. You take a look at what the Wildcats have done on defense. I think that this is one of Jay Wright's better coach defensive teams. They are right around 65th in the country with regards points allowed on per possession basis. But when you take a look at this team at home, they are one of the more dominant teams. They allow about 10 points per 100 possessions fewer when they are at home rather than on the road. And this is another team that... There's a chance that they're going to be without Chuck Harris once again in this game. And if he does wind up playing, he's going to be relatively limited. A guy that's able to give you 10 points per game now. Grant Golden has been able to do a good job. 10 points, 4 rebounds, relatively solid three point shooter. And all in all, this is a butler team that they shoot in the pocket about 34% from three point range. But when it comes to Villanova, what I think is very key for this team is that now down low, you've been able to have Eric Dixon being able to get things going. He's been able to give you eight points, six half rebounds. I feel like Villanova had really been lacking that a little bit towards the front end of the season. Him being able to do a better job down low, I think makes things all the better for a Villanova team that they've dealt with a couple ailments of their own. Caleb Daniels has sort of been in and out of the fold for this team. I do think that should be good to go in this one. A guy that's able to shoot 38.5% from three-point range, nine points per contest. And Colin Gillespie, he does sometimes fade in big moments, but I don't think you should have any big moments in this game against Butler. Guy that has been able to give this team 17 points, assist-to-turnover ratio, that is 2, and that is a renaming quality when it comes to Villanova as well. 9.3 turnovers per game, one of the best marks in all of college basketball. This is a Villanova team that they look to slow things down to a crawl. This is a Butler team that they look to do so as well. When it comes to possessions per game, Villanova finds themselves clocking in at number 342, and Butler, well, they are on the same wave, like 341st, but both of these teams, they do a relatively solid job be able to knock down their triples. I do think that Butler is going to be able to have a little bit of something down low with Bryce Enzi and all that he's able to do. But even though Butler has been relatively sought with regards to being able to slow things down, they just haven't necessarily been a good defensive team as well. Because if you take a look at their actual efficiency, the amount of points that you allow on a per possession basis, this is a Butler team that they do leave a little bit of something to be desired. They actually clock in at 126th in the country. So, I do think that this is a Villanova team that can be able to exploit that. I think the Villanova should be able to have their way, be able to go up from three-point range. So I did wind up setting this line at a 17, and I did make this total 129. When it comes to the spot, I'm going to be taking a look at it and over. I do think that there's going to be, like I said, a little bit of value when it comes to some of these totals with regards to the unders. But I do think that as well, something that you want to take a look at is sort of past performances of coaches. Do they wind up throttling up? As the season winds up going on, do they wind up slowing down a little bit as well? I do think that Villanova, though they're going to be playing relatively slow throughout the entirety of the season, I do think that they're going to go a little bit further up from where they are right now, which is a bottom 20 team with regards to tempo and off college basketball. Not that they're going to become like martial or anything like that, but I do think that they're going to be playing a little bit faster, looking at and over, and looking to play up to 17 here with Villanova. Our number two the Greg Peterson experience, going to feature a lot more college basketball. That comes your way next, right here on vsin the Sports Bank Network.